those of you who are those of you who are listening to to what I'm about to share, I hope it blesses you. I uh, hope it encourages you, um, because it is it is 100 for it's for our time, for our day right now. Picture of a prophet. Now, as I do this, I and I'm not never mind. Leonard Ravenhoe wrote this decades ago. I believe he wrote it in his book that he wrote. If I'm right, it was in 1976 he released it, and it was called "America Is Too Young to Die." I'm I'm pretty sure that that's the book. This one's in. Here's what he said. Now I don't know if you know this, but we need prophets today who are going to stand up and speak out loud. Some of the reason why some preachers are kind of getting militarized right now is because we've had some political people that have jumped on the on the on the scene. They're saying things about conservative values that preachers are afraid to say right now. Uh, they're preachers who they love listening to Candace Owens. They love Larry Elder. They love these black conservatives that are speaking loud because they're saying what they feel like if they say they're going to get criticized for. But again, if you can point me to um, a, a person in the Democratic Party that is militantly pro-life, that is militantly for values of family, I, I want to know. If you can just let me know who they are, Okay. Uh, because there's a whole group of people that are just completely against everything that's going to destroy our country. So here's what Leonard Ravenhill said. He called this picture of a prophet. The prophet in his day is fully accepted of God and totally rejected by men. Years back, Dr. Gregory Mano was right when he said, no man can be fully accepted until he is totally rejected. The prophet of the Lord is aware of both these experiences they are his brand name. The group, challenged by the prophet because they are smug and comfortably insulated from a perishing world in their warm but untested theology, is not likely to vote him man of the year when he refers to them as habituates of the synagogue of Satan. Now it's fixing to get real good, so stay with me. The prophet comes to set up that which is upset. His work is to call into line those who are out of line. He is unpopular because he opposes the popular in morality and spirituality. In a day of faceless politicians and voiceless preachers, there is not a more urgent national need than that we cry to God for a prophet. The function of the prophet, as Austin Sparks once said, has almost always been that of recovery. Now, I want to ask this question because the prophet's going to the house of God and to bring correction and order to the church. So when he says that he's going to upset that which is set up, first and foremost, the prophet's going to deal with the body of Christ. The Bible says that Jesus in Ephesians 4.11 gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. And it seems like we have here, he talked about in a day of faceless politicians and voiceless preachers, I feel like we have more politicians and uh, that are doing some of the work that preachers should be doing right now because preachers aren't doing it. He says this, the prophet is God's detective seeking for a lost treasure. The degree of his effectiveness is determined by his measure of unpopularity. Compromise is not known to him. It's hard today to say, I have a prophetic spirit because you go and you say exciting things and you predict things that ain't never going to happen to pass. Or say, I just feel like God's just going to bless you. Okay, that's really prophetic. And so it's it's, uh, very difficult to say, I want to hear what God is saying. I'm going to say it to the body of Christ if you're afraid that it's going to cause you some of your church members 
All right, if you're going to upset people, or it's going to cause the government want to come shut your church down, which we're in this era now. Here's what it says. Compromise is not known to him. He has no price tags. He is totally otherworldly. He is unquestionably controversial and unpardonably hostile. He marches to another drummer. He breathes the rarefied air of inspiration. He is a seer who comes to lead the blind. He lives in the heights of God and comes into the valley with a thus saith the Lord. There's some of you ministers that that's how you started ministry with prayer. And I know for me, in my early years, that's it. I wanted to know him. So for me to spend an hour with the Lord or two hours with the Lord or sometimes say, I'm going to get up this morning until lunch. I don't want to talk to nobody. I just want to be with Jesus. And many times, you know, where it's it's like, you know, 10 and 11 o'clock at night and your family's in bed and you just, you can't go to sleep because you feel the presence of God. You feel that pull and you just, you stay up all night saying, God, I just want to know you. Jesus, I'm crying out for you. And and, and, you know, I'm just, I need you. And what happens is the pull of ministry and the pull of other things and unresolved areas in your life, and you begin to compromise in that place of prayer. You begin to leave the presence of God and you, you, you stay out of that pocket place and you find yourself in trouble. And so it's happened to a number of people. I know for me, the biggest crisis in my life is when I begin to ne- neglect that daily prayer and saying, God, I need you. Jesus, I need you. And instead of staying in the word of God and you allow outside things to come in and and disappointments in your life and and depression to come in before you know it you become a shell of who you once were and there are a number of people that you might find yourself like that and I want to challenge you and encourage you that God is is not surprised by your humanity he's not surprised by your flaws and he also doesn't just justify he will not justify them and he will not excuse them you've been justified because he put his son on the cross and he bore your sin and so we get to run to the mercy seat. What's the mercy seat for? It's for mercy. Say, God, I need you. Help me. And so anyway, he goes here and he says this. He lives in the heights of God and comes into the valley with a thus saith the Lord. There's a lot of preachers who get up and say, God said, and you know God didn't say that. You just, you, won't, you got the preacher voice going. He shares some of the foreknowledge of God and so is aware of impending judgment. You can sit in some churches year after year right now and never feel convicted of anything in your life. And I'm what I'm not saying is that you should go to church and feel condemned. That's not what I'm talking about because you're not good enough, you're not holy enough, or you're not Christian enough. That's not what I'm talking about. But you can sit in churches and just, you know, it's just a big social club. And if we believe that one day we're going to stand before Jesus Christ, we're going to stand before the throne of God. The Bible says that he has eyes of fire and hair white like wool. It says his feet are like burnished brass, which symbolizes his righteous, you know, judgments. His eyes are eyes of fire, which symbolize uh, eternity. His hair white like wool is symbolic of absolute holiness. You know, you're going to look into the eyes of absolute perfection. We're going to see him one day. And what's sad is for people who sat in churches, who the sum total of that, what, a total of maybe 75 hours a year, or maybe let's say if couple hour service, 100, uh, no, what, 100 hours a year. Okay, there's 168 hours in a week. And what amounts to one Sunday morning a week, two hour service, if you go two hours, if you went 50 weeks a year, 100 hours, and the bulk of what you heard was God just loves you and, and let me give you three steps to do this better in your life. And you stand before the holy God, the son of the most high God, and there you are and 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 you're not ready. All right. So anyway, it says here, 
the, the you know, picture of a prophet. He lives in splendid isolation. He is forthright and outright, but he claims no birthright. His message is repent, be reconciled to God, or else. His prophecies are parried. His truth brings torment, but his voice is never void. He is the villain of today and the hero of tomorrow. He is excommunicated while alive and exalted when dead. He is dishonored with epithets when breathing and honored with epitaphs when dead. He is a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ, but few make the grade in his class. He is friendless while living and famous when dead. He is against the establishment in ministry. Then he is established as a saint by posterity. God, was it, I don't know, I feel like in the political realm, one of the things that Trump really disrupted, which that's another thing is, you know, I can't tell you how many pastors and preachers can't say anything positive about Trump because they'll get smashed and curb stomped. I can't tell you how many pastors said, you know, look, I voted for Trump, but I can't even say it because if I do, man, I'm afraid of what might, you know, the the backlash might be. And uh, and that just goes true about so many different things. So they can't be vocal about being pro-life. They can't be vocal about marriage being between a man and a woman. And, uh, you know, and so, and they can't. So then they have to insanely let, you know, overcompensate in all these other areas. And anyway, we should love everybody and be aware of our own brokenness. And man, and that's what makes Jesus so awesome is he's the perfect answer for a society that's absolutely broken and a culture that's broken. All right, let me keep let me keep going. He eats daily the bread of affliction while he ministers, but he feeds the bread of life to those who listen. He walks before men for days, but he has walked with before God for years. He is a scourge to the nation before he is scourged by the nation. He announces, pronounces, and denounces. He has a heart like a volcano, and his words are as fire. He talks to men about God. He carries the lamp of truth among heretics while he is lampooned by men. He faces God before he faces men, but he is self-effacing. He hide, I'm almost done. He hides with God in the secret place, but he has nothing to hide in the marketplace. He is naturally sensitive, but spiritually, supernaturally spiritual. He has passion, purpose, and pugnacity. He is ordained of God, but disdained by men. And then he says this, our national need at this hour, now uh, granted, I think he wrote this again in 1976, our national need at this hour is not that the dollar recover its strength. Have we mentioned that the economy is absolutely just being decimated right now? Not just in America, but worldwide. Have we talked about that yet? Okay. Have we talked about the facts like that now that the business mandates that are coming that, that, you know, where there's already what uh, 80 million people that are unvaccinated that are working right now or in in an era where our economy is already struggling are now being mandated to do something that's unconstitutional. And I'm, I'm for the vaccine, but I'm not for um, mandating and and as though we live in a dictatorship because we don't. All right. Our national need at this hour is not that the dollar recover its strength, or that we save face over the Watergate affair, obviously it's in the 70s, or that we find the answer to the ecology problem, we need a God-sent prophet. I am bombarded with talk or letters about the coming shortages in our national life, bread, fuel, energy. How many of you have already been seeing that too? How many of you have read about what's coming? You know, we already know the hike of prices on everything right now, groceries going, everything's going up, and we're hearing about a uh, you know, fuel shortage and all these different things. I read between the lines from people, not practice in scaring folks. And that's what everything is, just fear porn everywhere, right? They feel that the seven years of plenty are over for us and the seven years of famine are ahead. That's a biblical thing from the book of Amos also. Millions have been spent on evangelism in the last 25 years. 
Let me say this. Ooh, I'm going to say some things right now about the church too. Millions have been spent on evangelism in the last 25 years. Hundreds of gospel messages streak through the air over the nation every day. Crusades have been held. Healing meetings have made a vital contribution. Come-outers have come out and settled too without a nation-shaking revival. Organizers we have, skilled preachers abound, multi-million dollar Christian organizations straddle the nation, but where, oh where, is the prophet? Where are the incandescent men fresh from the holy place? Where is the Moses to plead in fasting before the holiness of the Lord for our moldy morality, our political perfidy, and sour and sick spirituality? Then he says this, God's men are in hiding until the day of their showing forth. They will come. The prophet is violated during his ministry, but he is vindicated by history. A couple paragraphs left and we're done. Ready? There is a terrible vacuum in evangelical Christianity today. The missing person in our ranks is the prophet. The man with a terrible earnestness. The man totally otherworldly. The man rejected by other men. Even other good men because they consider him too austere too severely committed, severely committed, too negative and unsociable. Let him be as plain as John the Baptist. Let him for a season be a voice crying in the wilderness of modern theology and stagnant churchianity. Let him be as selfless as Paul the Apostle. Let him too say and live this one thing I do. Let him reject ecclesiastical favors. Let him be self-abasing, non-self-seeking, non-self-projecting, non-self-righteous, non-self-glorying, non-self-promoting. Let him say nothing that will draw men to himself, but only that which will move men to God. Let him come daily from the throne room of a holy God, the place where he has received the order of the day. Let him, under God, unstop the ears of the millions who are deaf through the clatter of shekels milked from this hour of material mesmerism. Let him cry with a voice this century has not heard because he has seen a vision no man in this century has seen. God, send us this Moses to lead us from the wilderness of crass materialism, where the rattlesnakes of lust bite us and where enlightened men, totally blind spiritually, lead us to an ever-nearing Armageddon. God have mercy. Send us prophets. Man, I, 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 that is my heart. We need prophets today like never before. But we need prophets to the church to call the church back to what the church is supposed to be because the church doesn't have the authority right now to influence this country but we don't have to, you know, really. I can go into some other things right now, but I'm not going to go into that. So picture of a prophet. We don't need a few prophets scattered. We need an army of prophetic men and women right now who are madly in love with Jesus Christ, who are fearless. And because they fear the Lord, they don't fear man. They don't fear people, right? And uh, and again, on my last video that I did right before this one, because I knew this was going to take a little bit to go through it and didn't want to make that video like an hour long. Uh, you know, the church, we're coming to an awesome season right now. I believe there's going to be churches that are getting birthed even in the height of insanity in the United States of America. There's some unique churches that are going to be birthed. There's going to be a number of ministries that get birthed. Uh, if they're gonna, it's going to look so different. Churches are about to undergo radical reformation. There are churches that the that God is about to light their candle. I promise you, there are churches that 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 they may look like they're just you know they're going through the motion. They may look like they're just 
you know, doing the same thing day in and day out. But I'm going to tell you, God is about to breathe on some of these places and these pastors and these youth pastors and these ministers are going to begin to fall on their face. They're going to turn their staff meetings into prayer meetings. They're going to put down some of the books that they're reading and say, you know what? I appreciate that secular book, but it was written with wrong uh, other intentions that maybe God didn't design. We're going to the word of God and we're going to get on our face before God because it doesn't matter how we structure a church service. It doesn't matter what that, um, that marketing group there says you really need to do this. It doesn't matter what that group of people uh, says you need to do this. It doesn't matter what that church over there says if you do this, then you can be successful like us. They're going to say, we don't need any of that anymore. We need help. We need mercy right now. Why? Because in our community, we have people that are bound by sin. We have people that are addicts. We have people that are enslaved to immorality. We need people that are that are suicidal, that are battling and just getting smashed by depression right now. People are afraid right now because the government keeps lying to them. And they don't know who to trust right now. I just need a man or a woman of God to say something that's going to encourage me. And I believe that the church is about to just get ignited. Absolutely. There's a great shaking that's coming in a good way. The church has already been shook a lot, but I believe that the Lord now, very soon, there's still some correction coming. There's absolutely some correction coming. There's going to be some large churches that shrink up. They're not going to have an answer anymore. They're not even going to have a voice anymore. They had no voice whenever um, uh, you know um, same-sex marriage was legalized. They, they did not have the strength to say, hey, this is not of the Lord right here, so we need to be cautious because they couldn't say it because their church has been so plastic for so long that 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 there are people in their, in their church that sat for years that don't even know what homosexuality is wrong or is right. Is it for the Lord or not the Lord? They same about abortion. The very basics of morality have gone unchallenged and have not been taught. We've taught feel good. We've taught just come here and be happy, and we just want everybody to know this is the this is this is an awesome place. It's party time. That's it. And have not proclaimed the truth of the word of the Lord. All right. We've not really elevated the things that are important, communion and baptism and what it means to follow the Lord and serve the Lord. But, you know, it's easy to criticize. I'm a part of the body of Christ. Okay. I'm a minister. So I'm going to say these things because I love the body of Christ. I love the church. And that's what I also say is that God is not finished with the church. It's his idea it's not our idea. And I promise you, God knows how to get involved, and he is involved in his church. He's very merciful. He's very long-suffering. And I don't know about you, but let me ask you this question, because it's easy to pigeonhole the church and thrash the church and go after the church. And when I say things about the church, understand I'm saying it from a place and as, as, as a voice of a minister who prays for the church, who's pastored churches, who's traveled and preached in churches, I've mentored people. Disciple people, I've had people mentor me and speak into my life and help disciple me to become more like Christ. But it's easy to just thrash the church, thrash the church, thrash the church. But what about you? Would you like for God to be long-suffering with you? Do you want God's mercy on your life, or do you want God to judge you and to have no mercy for, or, or basically to give you the mercy, to measure it out equally, the same mercy that you don't give out to the church. Is that how you want God to deal with you? No, we want God to be merciful, long-suffering. Give me another chance, God. Help me again. And I'm telling you that God is not finished with the church. The church is going to rise up. They're going to be a force. It's going to be an absolute force in this country. Just know that. And guess what? God has shaken the church. But it is not going to be pretty. It is not going to be pretty. When God says, you know what, all the people, all the people and all these politicians and all these governments that have been mocking the, my bride, that's when God says all these people that have been attacking, 
threatening and harassing, mocking, it's your turn now. What happens when he begins to shake you? What happens when he begins to shake all levels of our government? Woo! My goodness. Woo, what a day that's going to be. Hey, uh, I love you guys. You are awesome. Um, if you'd like to, you could... Uh, um, you can go, I have a, a website if you want to go to that. And you, I have an email. Uh, actually, just I've sent two emails, I think, in the last three weeks. Um, and if you want to, you can sign up there on my website, randygoodall.com. I've got, I don't know, 20 blog posts written or so and have more that are in the pipeline. I have a lot that I've not written, I've not published. Shared one earlier. I shared some pieces of it. Um, it's pretty strong. So you guys are awesome. If that's it, if you could be praying for us, we're going to be having a furnace meeting um, here in our home one more time, um, and we're just going to, and I, I don't know if we should, because I don't know if we're going to have room, um, but um, but we're going to, and just believe God for um, uh, for just to get closer to the Lord. And, and let me just say this, in our furnace meetings, I'll be honest, it'll be really, real. Um, uh, it's, I'm, I just want Jesus personally. I want the Lord. Um, uh, I can't believe that what he did in me when I was 16, um, was all he intended when I was 16. And I believe the same for you, no matter where you are, where you are in your life, that God is not finished with you, that God loves you. God wants to use you. And I've been blessed to be surrounded by some tremendous pastors, um, having, Lunch tomorrow with my pastor, Paul Floyd, um, a lifelong friend. Pastor Chris Welch called me a couple nights ago. And there's not a time I hang up with him. I'm not just absolutely encouraged. And uh, so I just, uh, just so, so excited and love you guys. But we're going to be having this furnace meeting, and we believe that, that the Lord is wanting to do some things. I met with a dear pastor friend of mine, Pastor Jimmy Malone, today, actually, uh, the first Christian I met um, as a teenager. Um, radical. He pastors a church in Blanchard, just got a facility. I'm so excited for him. We had lunch today together. And um, so God is just so good. Um, I see a man who just jumped on here. I don't usually do this, but uh, Joel Painter uh, was just maybe a month ago. The Lord just put you on my heart and I started hearing you leading worship and I got emotional and uh, just, you know, uh, thinking about you and the gift that's on your life as a wrecking ball. And much of how the Lord's wired me in public speaking as a preacher is how the Lord's wired you as a uh, worshiper. And there's something so fresh and so real and so raw. And the enemy's just obviously has tried to tried to take you out, and he's tried to limit your voice. You've uh, experienced, like myself, you've went through unspeakable pain in life. And um, and this is a dear, just a brother of mine. But I just really hear the Lord just so clearly. Just I could just see you, man, just leading in raw venues. That mighty evangelist that's on you, a worshiper with the heart of a shepherd. So, anyway, God is so good. It's good to see Scott Dawkins here from Australia. My goodness, bless you too, mate. I appreciate that. Scott is a church planner. He's been a minister for years. Planted a church actually in Phoenix, and then um, and worked it, and then went back to Australia. And I'm definitely praying for you and praying for Australia right now also. And um, so, but God is so good. Again, y'all going to be praying for me. We are in so many that have made some comments. Love you guys. We're going to have this next furnace meeting. 
And we're just believing that that out of that meeting, the Lord's going to do some mighty things, um, mighty, mighty things in this upcoming furnace. I think it's probably just a few weeks away. So I'll let you know about that. Awesome. If you enjoyed this, if you don't mind, you could. If you want to, you don't have to. You can share it. Again, if you haven't gone to yet, go to my website, randygudo.com, and you can subscribe to our, our the newsletters that we send out. And, uh, and that's all. Hope you guys have a great night, and I'll talk to you soon.